0: You are now listening to This and That, a podcast collaboration about some of everything that's anything with your hosts, David and Brenda. Now, let's get to talking about This and That. Hello, those out in podcast land. It's another beautiful day outside podcast land studio. It is This and that. With David and Brenda. You are listening to Brenda, otherwise known as Ms. Brenbren. Bren.
1: And this is David, a.k.a. Dr. David,
0: a.k.a. The Professor. And, and today is November 3rd, 2019. And to paraphrase Nina Simone, a great singer, uh, jazz, R&B songwriter. And the song that I'm going to paraphrase is Feeling Good. A line from the song says, it's a new dawn, it's a new day, it's a new life, and here's where the paraphrase come in. It's episode 33 of This and That, and we are feeling good.
1: Yes, and Nina Simone is one of the greatest singers, entertainers of all time, but I do have to say, just for completeness... Everybody feeling good she made it her own song but it wasn't her original song it was from a Broadway musical but it's one of those things like hey joe hey joe was not a hendrix song but people attribute that to him you could go down a list of songs that are remade and owned by the people that do them because they're so great but well, feeling good was, she is so great it's not she a song she wrote song she owns the song
0: but because she did not write the song and in and because we don't have money to pay royalties we, we can't, can't play, play the song for you, <laughs> and nor am I going to try to sing it for you, but I would suggest that you go out, uh, go to YouTube, go to anywhere streaming I, music, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your streaming music from, and listen to the song Feeling Good by Nina Simone.
1: And you've probably heard it, because there's a lot of her stuff is in commercials now.
0: And I think you'll like it. Now, you know why else, David, I'm feeling good?
1: Because you're above ground and kicking?
0: Yeah, that's that's another reason, but there's even another reason. I don't know. Have you eaten your favorite meal? Uh, no, because it was not my last meal, so no. I said favorite, not last.
1: <laughs> I don't know where that came from.
0: <laughs> well, I'm not going to get into that one. But anyway, another reason why I'm feeling good... The Bengals, who are 0-8, didn't play today. So they
1: didn't lose another
0: game. They did not lose another game, so I'm feeling really good about that.
1: They might as well go for 0-16 and get the the bid now. That's what I. That's that's what I say. Just go 0-16. Well, don't go for eight and eight and all this other mamby pamby stuff. Just just go
0: for the goose egg. The second half of their season is starting. And they're starting out with a a different quarterback. Oh, they will, yeah. So hopefully um, when they play on the 10th, I guess, um, hopefully things will be looking better for them. So feeling good that they have an opportunity to rest, um, regroup, and repair. And get ready for their game on next Sunday because they're going to need it.
1: Well, I mean, they're they're playing the Baltimore Ravens and... They've owned the Baltimore Ravens for a while, but that was in the Marvin Lewis era with Andy Dalton, and Andy Dalton is no more, Marvin Lewis is no more, so we'll have to see what happens. Yeah, and well, like I said, feeling good, there's no loss today.
0: (laughs) And you know why else I'm feeling good? Uh, I'm sure you'll tell me. Yes, I'm going to, because folks really are liking what we're talking about on This and That. And they keep coming back and listening to us because they like the fact that we have a free, eclectic podcast where they can hear us talk about everything that's anything. So let's give a shout out to some of the various locations that are listening in to what we have to say. All right, let's go. So a shout out to
1: Texarkana,
0: Texas here in the U.S.,
1: and we will literally go across from Texarkana to its sister city Texarkana Arkansas and literally i believe it's across it's across the, the road yes it's a road where or you're, road or whatever you can across think, the
0: dividing line yeah i
1: think there's a dividing line in the middle of the road you can actually stand you have one leg and one foot in um, Texarkana Texas and the other one in Texarkana Arkansas exactly. i think that's still the case and we're also going to stay here in the us and give a shout out to Miami, Florida. And we'll give a shout out to Miami Township, Ohio. See what I also, did there?
0: Also known as Cleves.
1: Well, this Ohio. is one of the things in the township. But you still. Know, this is one. But yeah,
0: so, yeah, I saw what you did there. You kept the Miami theme going. Exactly. So very good. So now let's go um, international and give a shout out. To those in Mexico City, Mexico. Ciudad
1: Hidalgo, Mexico. Monterrey, Mexico. And let's just finish it out in Mexico with Pachuca, Pachuca, Mexico.
0: Now, um, while those are some of the locations that are listening in, a shout out to everybody that's listening in because we thank you all, and we have a special fondness. For those in the U.S. military. So thank you to the men and women for their service, their um, family and dependents, and those civilian supporters that are with them, whether they're here in the U.S. or whether they are international.
1: Yes, thanks to all of those in all five branches of the U.S. Armed Forces, as well as a thanks to the uh, Civilian first responders here stateside, so police, fire, uh, 9-11 emergency services, and so on. Now, while we're talking about the military, do you know what's happening on November the 11th? Well, of course, November 11th, uh, for international users, a lot of them, are, is known as Armistice Day. Here in the U.S., that is Veterans Day. So be sure and make sure you tell a special thanks
0: to all the veterans that you know because we are able to enjoy our life liberties and the pursuit of happiness as a result of their dedication and their service.
1: Absolutely. So again, thanks thank everybody for their service on the 11th and for those of you who are military veterans, be sure to check out all sorts of social media for things that will be done in your honor across the the country, including uh, discounts, et cetera, for whatever you need to do during the day. Exactly.
0: Now, David, where can people find our free podcast?
1: Well, they can find uh, This and That, which is our free eclectic podcast, uh, wherever folks listen to podcasts. So that includes such uh, popular places as our home base of SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, which uh, used to be known as iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, Google Play Music, and the list goes on and on. It's also available through all Alexa voice-assisted devices, smart speakers, etc.
0: And for those who wish to send us comments or questions,
1: send it to our email distribution list. That's thisandthat@aboutgreatercincinnati.com. at That's this. The letter N as in Nancy, that, all nine characters together, at sign about greater Cincinnati.com. Now you said send it to our email distribution
0: list. Yes. You meant send it to our email address.
1: Yeah, send the email address, which is tied to the email distribution list. And you can sign up for the email distribution list by sending email to this and that at about greater and asking to be signed up. And it will happen uh, lickety-split. Yeah, the it'll, it'll be
0: magical. It'll happen like a magician. You know, waving his magic wand over his top hat.
1: Boy, you're really old school, I tell you. <laughs> magic wand. I thought David Copperfield 30 years ago got rid of that whole meme. Hey, look.
0: I can be nostalgic if I want to.
1: I know why you said that. So, and why? Because we're in November, we're close to Christmas, and you're thinking of the Christmas Rankin-Bass cartoons and Frosty the Snowman and the Evil Magician. That's where that came from. I know it. I am (laughs)
0: pleading the fifth. You're going to plead the fifth. You're
1: going to plead the fifth.
0: (laughs) Pleading the fifth.
1: Yes, I know you well. And
0: I'm pleading the fifth. (laughs) So that we can get into what are we going to talk about today.
1: Okay. Topics for today. Going to introduce a new uh, recurring segment, uh, Your Cyber Safety. Kind of speaks for itself. We'll get into that some more. Also, um, for those loyal listeners, they know that in episode 31, we had an interview with Griffin Lotson of the uh, Geechee Geller Ring Shouters. And we had a lot of email comments, et cetera, with questions brought up by uh, that interview. And so we brought Griffin back to go through uh, Q&A. And that's our show for this uh, episode, number 33.
0: Well, I am feeling good. Notice
1: that. Yeah. Okay, Nina. Thank you. I am feeling good about episode 33. You actually have a Nina Simone style headpiece on. Right? Did you realize that yeah. or not? I know you didn't plan that, but it just hit me. you really channeling today. I am channeling, channeling today. Nina
0: today. I'm just not going to sing because I want people to keep listening to us. Okay. So I'm feeling good and I'm ready for us to get started. So what about you?
1: I'm ready. So let's go ahead and uh, crank this baby up.
0: You are now listening to This and That with
1: David and Brenda. As I mentioned in the opening, uh, this episode we will start a new recurring, periodically recurring segment, and um, we've entitled it "Your Cyber Safety." And as the name implies, uh, it is we live in a digital world. It's 2019, so Miss Bren and I were like, we need to give out some tips to folks, and. In uh, one of my previous, um, well, I was going to say incarnations, but it was actually in this life, another hat, actually did a lot in the cybersecurity world. So I'll be bringing personal tips to folks as opposed to advice that would go to giant corporations, governments, etc. This is going to be focused on individual users, very practical information, tips that can be used, some of the things I'm gonna to say to my former colleagues may they'll may go, Oh my god, that's heresy. But again, we're not talking about companies that have to go through and, and you know, massive audits and necessarily have um, litigation proof or justifiable positions, so they do a lot of redundant things that I see a lot of people give advice to ordinary people for and it's like that's just completely unnecessary.
0: So again what's the goal of our cyber safety segment?
1: In a nutshell it's to help people protect their digital assets, digital data, guard their online privacy and otherwise maintain safety in this uh, digital world. And I mean the word safety as opposed to security I actually will do a topic on what's the difference between safety and security and some other things that's a, a bigger topic than I think the layperson understands but it's about safety because the one thing people need to understand is that there is no kind of device no kind of process that is 100% hack proof
0: so you nobody
1: trying- everybody can be hacked so are you Every trying to say, say that? that nobody should feel safe? No, you can feel safe. You can feel secure. But security means just that. To, to achieve huge levels of security is something that necessarily ordinary people don't need to, to do per se because they're just not, as we would say, interesting enough. What do I mean by that? I mean, ordinary criminals, cyber criminals, and criminals in general in the real world, If um, they're not going to target you, they're going to go for what's an opportunity. So if we just look in the physical space, if if criminals are roaming around your neighborhood at two in the morning and there are two identical houses and the only difference is that one house has a garage door up and the other one doesn't, they're going to go to the house with the garage door up and see, hey, is that something I can go in and, and get into now? They're not going to go and target the other house. If they see a house that has, again, identical houses and one says, gee, we're protected by XYZ security company and the other one is not, they're going to go check out the one that doesn't have the sign. If they see one that has a video, you know, surveillance camera, doorbells, whatever, and another one that does not, they're going to go see, they're going to go to the easy targets. All right, if so. you're ordinary. Now, if you're not ordinary, if you're interesting to, say, uh, three-letter intelligence agencies, governments, nation states that are hostile to, we're living in the U.S., but pick whatever country you're in, then all bets are off. And that's where you really need to worry about not just safety, but security meaning you need to go out and get you know, a team of professionals, not just one individual, a team of professionals, have a real threat modeling assessment and analysis done on you, meaning what does what your setup look like, what do you need to protect, how much are you willing to do, and so on and so forth. There's a whole process that you should go through formally to look at, well, what are your digital assets and how can people get at them, and then test it, go through what's called, you know, penetration testing and some other things and if you're really really paranoid, red teaming and all that. Ordinary people do not need to do
0: all okay. that stuff. So, so let's just, let's, just, let's just talk about ordinary people. What's the the basics around what needs to be considered for there, security? Yeah, sure.
1: For ordinary people, I would say there are 3 things that really need to be buttoned up. Because you want to make things hard. Again, nothing is unhackable, um, but you don't want to make things easy. Make, make it a little bit hard. Make people work at getting to you. And there are three things that need to be hardened, so to speak, from a cyber safety standpoint in your life, just out the box. And that's whatever passwords you have to maintain, you want to make sure that those passwords are you know not simple. So they're strong and some other things, and we're gonna have s- segments down the road that get into the details of this stuff. Okay, no, and,
0: and I know we're gonna get into yeah. um, more details down the road, but just initially, mm-hmm. if you're telling somebody to make sure they have a a good password, one two three four is not a
1: good password. No, and the most and most and actually, people don't even get to the form. Believe it or not, there's still people today and like. You know, one two three or three two one. A lot of people have that. If, if you're dealing with a system, and most systems today have minimum password links, but if they don't, then a lot of people just do three two one one two three, which is crazy, or one one one. No, those are not secure things. Password one two three. That's not secure. Those are things people are gonna, going to guess. And not sticking with the, the default password that comes with the. Um Whatever. computer or whatever. Yeah, default passwords are always a no-no because, again, anyone can go online and Google a manual and it'll say what the default password is. Or if you don't know, you can, you know, do quote-unquote hackers, do quote-unquote social engineering, which is a fancy term for let me call up the support staff and lie to them and get trick them into giving me information that they shouldn't necessarily give me. So, yes, that's default passwords are always well-known, so you want to change defaults on stuff. Okay, what's the second thing that we should secure? And before we go to that, we'll get into password management a lot deeper in another segment. So that was Ms. Bren Bren, real quick and dirty stuff there. The second thing, and these aren't in any particular order, these are just in kind of like, you know, Dr. David's orders, order of things. So, password management, managing your passwords. The other thing is essentially uh, securing your smartphone. You want to secure your smartphone or tablet, et cetera, whatever it is that organizes your digital life, or both, if you use both of those, you want to make sure those things are secure. So right off the bat, before you can ask it, Brenda, it's make sure that you have, that they're password protected, that they're, they're locked. So if you lose it for whatever reason, someone just can't start wandering into it and the like and get into it, those type of things. Now, again, practical tip if you never take this stuff out into the real world maybe it doesn't matter because if someone breaks into your house you have bigger problems (laughs) whether your stuff is on if if a a thief hack or whatever takes physical possession of something you've already lost so if someone breaks into your house you got bigger problems anyway
0: all right and then what's the third
1: thing the third thing is something people don't really think about but it it's arguably more important than the first two things I just mentioned combined. And that is your cell phone number. Your cell phone number, mobile phone number, however you want to phrase it, you need to make sure that that thing is buttoned down because there's so much tied to your your life probably around that cell phone number that if it gets out there, it can be used to wreak all sorts of havoc from, oh, just stealing... Some of your online identities to draining your bank account and so on and so forth, and I'll explain explain that in a segment unto itself. Okay, so that is just the basics. So
0: what? And I know you're going to cover this in more detail in 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 an, an upcoming episode. But if folks have any questions,
1: can they send them in to you? They can always send questions. Yeah. To this and that at about dot com, and uh, I will read the question, and you know maybe I'll, ta- I'll I'll read the question, and if it's not some crazy off the wall thing, may mention it in an episode, may uh, send them email back, it may not even make it into an episode. But if it's something really crazy off the wall, or you know something that's super confidential, then it's not going to make it in. But in
0: obviously. either way you're going to get into more detail about those three topics that you talked about in future episodes yes
1: and and again this is these are practical tips and everything else so not going to get into super depth on stuff that you might get into like in a tech edition so a tech edition that's where we get into the ins and outs of if. Ins and outs, still at 30,000 level feet. Not, you know, you have to have a IT degree to understand these things. About, say, why your cell phone, the, the nasty, dirty things people have done with that and can do with that. And that would be in greater detail in, like, the tech edition. But for the cyber safety piece, it's kind of like, what am I talking about? What are the bad things that hackers can do with it? How how do you protect yourself? Okay, so there's more
0: Cyber safety to come, so be sure and stay tuned.
1: Listen to this and that on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and other major podcast apps and services.
0: Time to time, we go through our virtual mailbag and we get questions from individuals that listen to our podcast about some of the Episodes that we've done, and we like to try to get back to our listeners with answers to their questions, so that's where our segment called You Ask, We Answer comes in. And this time around, rather than us answering the questions, we have on the phone with us in Podcast Land Studio Griffin Lawson because a lot of the questions that have come in this virtual mailbag is about episode 31 that we did about the Gitche Gala culture and the ring chowders. So, hi, Griffin.
2: Hello, hello, Brenda.
0: Now, uh, like I said, we have several questions that our listeners have asked. And so, why don't we just go ahead and get started. The first one comes from Kate from Coastal Georgia. And she, along with many others, asked the question why do ring shouters perform or dance in a counterclockwise motion?
2: Oh, yes. That's, uh, as I said earlier on another uh, podcast, a $64,000 question. It's it's about 10 questions that's common to the culture that people act and especially when it comes to the ring shout, that is one of The ones that's at the top. And the reason why you go in the counterclockwise movement, as we described when we were on stage with the Ring Shout, one thing we do for some of the audience may not have heard the first one is that uh, the Ring Shout is part of the Galagetchi culture here in America. And their actual singing songs, uh, they uh, wrote those songs themselves and uh, made them sacred, mostly religious songs, most of them anyway. And uh, the ring shout is the ritual that they dance to when they sing the song. The ring shout came from West Africa, so that's one tradition they kept. And with the new religion or the Christian religion, they incorporated the old ways into the new ways. So the ring goes in a counterwise clock movement, uh, many feels that it came from uh, their religious sect. Keep in mind, they had their own pagan religion, and the most people at that time, uh, during the enslaved days, if you'll go back to 1600, 1700, uh, was the uh, Muslim type of religion in uh, Africa. And, uh, and uh, so they would walk around in Mecca, as they call it. where everybody have to make their pilgrim trip. So a lot of the belief uh, comes from that. Bilali Muhammad, one of the originals that came from uh, Africa, and all this has been proven now, he wrote his memoirs and uh, things that he wrote down himself. And uh, from Sapelo Island, Georgia, uh, when they brought the enslaved over here, and that was kept at the Smithsonian for a while. Now I think it's at a university. So that's real history where we know they came back from the enslaved days before they were enslaved and they uh, came from Africa. So All that's, right. That's, that's the common belief there. That's the common belief. And I concur with that. And, of course, some of the African dance moves, if you look at a lot of them, they do the counterclockwise of movement.
0: Okay. So well, something. Great. Now, here's another question that comes from S in Atlanta. And her question, along with some others, has been what books are available for learning about more about the Geechee Gala culture?
2: Oh, now? what,
0: What would you recommend?
2: Yeah, now it's a lot of books out there. One of the ones that pop at the top of my head, of course. Uh, Cornelius Bailey, which is from our area, and I say it must have been your hometown. Uh, now you're living up in the big city, left us country folks.
0: No, but, <laughs> I, I have never <laughs> and will never leave folks <laughs> at, back home. You're not country, not at all.
2: No, I say that uh, 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 comically, but uh, I'm country and proud of it. Trust me on that. That's why I moved back home from the big city of washington dc well, but the, now
0: that the, was a big city
2: now uh, it was <laughs> love to visit but i don't want to live there anymore but the culture itself gulligichi culture and those descendants from those plantations are, uh cornelius bailey she's kind of a matriarch she since passed not too long ago and she wrote a book on that one. i think it's dr buzzard and the Bolito Man, and i knew it was famous when i was watching on this online one day, and I saw somebody presenting a copy to the Supreme Court Justice Clara Thomas. I said, boy, that book must be popular. So everybody reads that one, and get some of the real history there. Dr. Emory Campbell, I call him the godfather of the Gullaby County Heritage uh, Commission, one of the most documented ones that has all of the, uh, I should say, historians, uh, what they call experts, is uh, from the Gullah Geechee Quarter, uh, which is the Gullah Geechee Council Heritage Commission, they did a management plan booklet. And it kind of details any and everything you ever wanted to know about the culture. And I'm proud to say that I had something to do with that. I'm actually looking at the management plan book now. And mm-hmm. all it did was gather all of the information years of research, years of expert from within the culture and from without, because it took the act of Congress. But that would be the most comprehensive document, I would say. There's many, many other books out there now that it's becoming a little bit more popular. Uh, You can get books on the Gullah and the Geechee. It's getting a little bit more popular now than it once did 25 years ago.
0: Right. And the um, Cornelia Bailey book, God, Dr. Buzzard, and the Bolito Man... I have a a copy of that.
2: Ah, so it is famous. So
0: (laughs) so it is very famous.
2: Yes, yes. A lot of people like to beat that because it came from uh, what we call pure blood from Sapelo, and the reason why we say that, their ancestors, they were born and raised there, and uh, Katie Underwood, they have a boat that travels over there, and they named it after one of the enslaved, which is Related to Cornelius Bailey, so there I call them and we call them pure blood because we know when they came there where they came from uh, and Some of them are alive today and their parents they're great-grandparents they're great-great-grandparents are going on they're stuck Until the day they die like Cornelius. She lived there until the day she died.
1: Right. All right, um, Griffin this is David again and speaking of the Geechee Gullet Corridor um, when when we spoke, you mentioned that the uh, area was uh, stretched from North Carolina to Florida, and you mentioned um, that 30 miles. Obviously, North Carolina to Florida is more than 30 miles, so wh- the 30 miles, is that the width of the corridor, or where does that come into to play?
2: Well, the, the easiest phrase that I tell people that most people know a little bit about, uh, if they're of any age, the old phrase of, 40 Acres and a Mule. It's not just a story that was made out of fiction. Um, yeah, when they did the uh, Colored Infantry came uh, in, and we all, uh, many people have seen the movie Glory. Right. Uh, most people did not know part of it depicts, and I never shall I forget my brother, Dr. Roger Loxton. He has five or six college degrees, he pastors uh, Carnegie and Baptist Church now. And he said, I didn't know that. I said, yeah, I said, look at the movie again. I said, you know Darien, the city of Darien, where he's from, is in that movie. He said, I didn't know that. Most people don't study the history. I'm I'm a student of history now. So I said, well, next time you look at the movie, you're actually going to see Darien in the background from the warehouse. He said, I never knew that. So having said that one, it came from that. After the Civil War was over, Brian Baptist Church, they had a meeting with the pastors and other leaders. Now that we're free, they God, ready we're free. Now what, does I tell people, you're free for what? You don't own anything. So being free is great, but now what? You don't own land, you don't own house you're in, you don't even own the clothes that you have on your back, okay? So what they did was uh, did an official decree with the government, and it's called Field Order Fifteen. And that's where the 40 acres and the mule. Each family was, was able to get 40 acres. And it goes inland up to 30 miles. So for, for whatever reason, it mimics that. So the Gullah Geechee Cultural Heritage Area mimics that because that's where most of them live on the plantation. And most of them never left that area in their whole lifetime, believe it or not. They didn't go far. Transportation wasn't there for them. And keep in mind, you were enslaved, so people of our persuasion or African-American persuasion, you, can't, you couldn't just go travel. You, know, you, 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 you lose your life, you get hung, or you'll be reported. Uh, so that's why they call it the 40 acres and a mule. That's the easiest phrase, but it's 30 miles inland. If you stand on the shores and you could drive 30 miles straight inland, that would be considered the court. And all of the lovely, expensive, billion-dollar islands, uh, and I say we, we as uh, African-Americans Black dollar we owned it all. And, of course, they killed Lincoln, and the new president came in and powered-to-be. They took all the land back and gave it to the plantation owners, and that's Mm -hmm. real history there. We had it for a little while, and we lost it in less than one year.
1: Wow. Wow. Got it. Okay. Um, uh, next question I have is: um, went online and looked at some of the uh, performances of the Gullah Geechee ring shouters, as well as um, um, saw some of the the McIntosh County ring shouters. And I have a question about the the traditional garments being worn by the ring shouters. Is there some symbolism there? And I noticed that the Gullah Geechee, the Geechee Gullah ring shouters, wear certain colors. And the Macintosh county ring shatters, uh wear certain colors, the women specifically. So asking is there, besides that's what they wore during um, enslavement, is there something, other um, point of symbolism to, the, to that?
2: Yeah. Uh, I, I can only speak the surface of, of, of why other groups do it, but I always tell people, individuals, the three top groups in the world now, you have the Sea Island Singers, by the way, I'll say it now, all three groups live within 35 minutes of each other. It's amazing. These are the three top groups in the world. We perform at a level that's uh, quite high. Ourselves, we've done the Vatican, the Folk, and you name this, whatever major network, as well as the other group. The Sea uh, Island Singers have been called and selected by the President of the United States not just at the White House, but even uh, down here in Georgia. they wanted them to perform. McInneske County Shouters, similar. They might have done the White House, but they've done the Smithsonian, as well as we have done the Smithsonian Anacostia Museum, where we did the largest ring shout ever in in history. So the three groups dress a little different. Uh, The Mackinac County Shouters, most of their uniforms that they wear uh, with the African tradition, they wear the clothing of uh, from Africa, which is beautiful. A lot of people like this. We have one outfit that we wear with the African attire. Most of our attire mostly comes from the time when we were on the plantations, the old Aunt Jemima, as we know, syrup and different things like that. So we try to stay true to that time period with our dress in our clothes, working on the plantation in that dress, the head rags, and the uh, different attire that we have on the gang shoes and coveralls, that's mostly on the plantations doing the uh, antebellum time, the uh, Civil War time, and even after that. So we stay true to that for a reason.
0: Okay, well the colors are definitely beautiful and rich in color. So, um, That brings us to the last question from our mailbag, and it's actually a two-parter. The first part being the three um, groups that you talked about, the Sea Island Singers, the McIntosh County Shouters, and the Geechee Guller Ring Shouters. Will you guys or do you guys ever perform together in concert? And will you be producing an album?
2: Uh, that would be my dream if all three of us can produce an album. It reminds me of what the, we are the world. Uh, when Michael Jackson, Lana, Richie, and all the whites and blacks came together that were predicted as some of the best singers there were, well, in America and in the world. Because uh, they had people there from, uh, from London, England that performed with in and other places. That's my dream. We have never been able to have that dream to come true. But we have performed on the same day. The Sea Island Singers, might mind you, we always wanted to do the buzzard lope. And so I asked Frankie Quimby, could she drive to our area? Not drive, but come and show us the buzzard lope, because it was such a rich part of history. Uh, one of the few dances or songs that didn't come from the church. We like to call it the Saturday Night, the juke joint moonshine, okay, and we, we, we make that plane, and that was not a church song, nor was it a church dance, and, uh, but we love doing it, so we, right now, we're the only group uh, in America, in the world, that actually practice the buzzard lope, so we've been keeping it alive, and Frankie almost made me cry from the Sea Island Singers, because they were very, very famous, and she had, you know, had lived to, uh, a good age, and she drove from Brunswick, Georgia by herself, I wasn't expected for her to drive by herself. So I said all that—the long version of it—that she's been working and mentoring us for quite some time. Uh, she did a lot to push the uh, MacIntosh County shouters to the to the forefront because their group was not carrying mm. on the tradition of the ring shout. The the Seattle singers as much as the MacIntosh County shouters, so they referred, which was great. And that's a part of how the Mackinac County Shouters got to be uh, where they are. As for us, members of the Mackinac County Shouters uh, joined in with the uh Gichigalo Ring Shouters. We call him Captain Jack. He was with the Mackinac County Sh- Shouters, Elizabeth Temple, uh, which was an Evans, and one or two others, and they spun off and started a new group, which was new generation. Now we call it the Geechigella Ring Shouters. And we have performed uh, at the same day on Sapelo Island at the festival. And, uh, yeah, that was a great occasion that we uh, performed the same day on Sapelo. But it's my hope. I wish we could do an album. And I must not close with this to say I never shall forget when Cornelius Bailey called me. We talked about an hour. And she said, Griffin, I've got some songs that we need to live on. And, uh, and I said, well, you know, what you want to do? I want y'all to sing these songs. I was flattered, you know, the queen, the diva. Right. wanted our group to sing those songs that no one was singing. It was part of her culture. And sadly to say, our health had failed her some, and we never got the list of the songs. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah, and that's what I tell people. At my age now, I pass on my knowledge. Uh, I don't want to take any of it to the grave with me, so all that I know, I'm passing it on. In the culture, nobody's doing the Bruh Rabbit stories and the old stories of some of the old-timers. I said, we have to tell these stories, or someone else going to tell them. So I've learned a lot of them, and they are on kiosks now all over, so they'll live much longer than I will ever live. Because I've left that legacy that those old, the way they used to do it, I have them on kiosks now. Uh, The last slave ship that landed in Georgia, in Island. If you go there now, anyone listening to this podcast, you're going to hear the old boy voice talking about the flying Africans. And you're going to hear the Kichigala ring shouters. Then you're going to hear singing some of the old songs that long after we're dead and gone, that history is going to be in several places uh, all over America because of modern technology, of course.
1: That is that's a great fun. legacy. Yes. Now, now, something you just, just said, I just want to make sure I understand it right. You, um, you said, Griffin, that the, um, I guess, the Uncle Remus stories, Br'er Rabbit, Br'er Fox, Tar Baby, and all that, that's part of Gullah Geechee culture?
2: Oh, my God, yes. And I only learned more. Really I do a lot of research, and, and and I've got just about every book there is about the culture. I spend too much money and too much time. I'm looking at one right now. About 10, 15 years ago, I saw in Gullah folk tales, Georgia coast, and they talked about. Uh, we all know songs of the South back in the day. Right, <laughs> right. Uncle Remus. I'm looking at a, a book that I have here now of Uncle Remus. And a lot of those stories I had no idea came from our region. After I did the research, it mentioned little old Darien, Georgia. So when they did the songs of the South, this is a big one uh, uh, that you guys need to remember. I researched from some of the Indiana University papers that I have and recordings. I have the entire collection of uh, Lorenzo Dow Turner, and I was like, wow, they were talking about the rabbit in the briar patch. Sounds of the South, and then on Sapelo Island, there is the same recording done by the Gullah of I'm like, wow. But the good news, all of this is recorded in history, in some of the memoirs and records of Chandler. I think the guy named Joseph Chandler, Chandler, that gave a lot of these things to Disney, but they didn't get credit for it in these documentaries. Fascinating history, uh, just like we did with the Kumbaya. You have to do the research and make it match. I didn't make this up. It's all written in history. They came and recorded those folk tales, and of course, they put them in newspapers and different things and uh, sell them. And the rest is history. So you're you're absolutely correct for asking a very good question about that. Not many people are doing it now. I started one other legacy. I hope to leave with my own get-together rings out I said, look, you guys need to start telling these stories. We tell beautiful stories. This is a part of the culture, but we're not telling enough of the original stories fed by those individuals that were reported in the 20s and 30s, former enslaved individuals and their children. Well, and that is truly preserved. fascinating. Yeah, yeah beautifully mm-hmm. preserved. But we got to tell a story. We've got to dig those things up and whenever I do storytelling, I don't make up a story. I go way back and get a real story that was said before I was born. Well,
0: you it's don't have to make up a story.
2: No. you, you got there.
0: some gems to tell. Exactly.
2: Exactly. So we need to do that. And uh, and we're training people now and telling them you, got, you have to tell these stories. Because one thing for sure, a lot of people want to hear these stories. They really want to hear them, and there's not enough individuals.
0: Right. And speaking of stories, that brings us to our final question, and that is the um, story about the Kumbaya, the book that you've written. Um, You said that would be available at the end of this year, and folks want to know, where can they get a copy?
2: Well, it's self-published, number one. We're probably going to put it on our website and they can order directly from our group. And, of course, they'll be at our Chamber of Commerce, and I'm sure there will be copies available through the Federal Commission. We'll make sure they have some because a lot of people always call them first. So, and I have to serve on the Federal Commission, so I'll make sure we have books available. And our next hope is that we get a major publisher to take it to the uh, to the next, next level. And all it does is tell the fascinating history of how we know now, this very famous song, known by over a billion people all over the world, uh, how it came to be known, the hidden mysteries of the first known recording in the world. Now we know, we don't have to guess, we've got everything to prove it, and not disprove, but some of the people that said they were the first one to write it, I uh, can't change history, you said you did it in 1938, uh, well, there's a recording back in
1: 1926. Right.
2: <laughs> you can't you can't erase something that's already been done and uh so right now that that's it and who knows if it's something else we hope we can pull that history out But so far even according to library promise the largest collection of folklore in the world trust me i've been to their headquarters. these things are kept under 38 degrees with nitrogen behind locked doors wow Yep, and, and I've had my chance to put my hands on the cylinder. Uh, I guess because I was doing all this research, they gave me the keys to the kingdom, and I was so privileged that this history that's locked down to preserve for the next thousand years uh, very few people. And I'm probably the only Gullah who had a chance to touch that cylinder since it was uh, made, because it wasn't made by uh, what we call uh, Gullah Geechee, it was made by Buckers. When we say Buffalo, then. That's term. White folks, okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I gotcha. Yeah. Now, where? What's the website address for people to um, access to buy your book?
2: Yeah, uh, right now it would be the Geechigella Ring Shouters. Uh, that's the same ring shout group, and they were the first group to sing the song in its original tone, key of, I think it was an 8. And word for word, the original words, not the new fancy words we hear now, kumbaya, and all that beautiful harmony. No. In the original dialect, in the original key, with mistakes and flaws and all, and for history's sake, we wanted to do it. So we hired a descendant of Bologici, uh, from, uh, what's that, Berklee School of Music. And uh, he did the sheet music for it, and I did the translation. Of the words. We want to keep it all in the culture, so we did that. And that's in the book, too. Okay. word, note, for note
0: Now, could you spell the um, website address for folks?
2: Okay. It's Geechee, that's G-E-E-C-H-E-E, Gullah, G-U-L-L-A-H. So Geechee, that spelled many different ways. That's Geechee Gullah, Ring Shouters. You can go link shop. Uh, yeah, I think I've said it right there.
0: Okay. Alrighty. So that's where folks can uh, go and pick up a copy of, of the book that will be coming out real soon.
2: Yeah, and I might open up a, uh, a web page on that too so people can go there until we can uh, find a, a greater publisher or find some other avenue that we can sell it, you know, like uh, Targets and all of the other places out there that it, that books okay. so
1: to me. All righty. Looking at the virtual mailbag, that's the last question, as Brenda said. So uh, thanks again, Griffin, for taking yep. some time out of your busy schedule to answer uh, questions from our listeners. Yes, and thank you
0: again from one country girl to <laughs> her neighbor right down the street.
2: Yes, yes, yes.
0: <laughs> or, or shall I say, down the road.
2: That is down the road. Like yeah. my grant, hit the road. That's what we call it down here. It's time to hit the road.
0: Hit the road, not the street. But anyway, thank you very much. And um, I know that there will probably be more questions coming in at a later date. So we're not done.
1: I'm sure we'll talk again.
2: Well, I love talking the history. So thank David, and thank you, Brenda, for what you guys are doing.
1: And once again, thanks to uh, Griffin Lawson of the Geechee Geller Ring Shouters for uh, spending some time with us and going over folks' uh, various questions. That Wait a minute. Uh-oh. News alert. That's what that noise is. Oh, is that what that sound is? Yes, that's news alert. We've never had that before. Oh, where's it coming from? And, um, it's, 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 it's coming from this little device here. Hold on. Let me, let me read it. Uh, oh, and it's timely. It's tied into this. News alert. It is from the Cincinnati Opera. Uh, Katie Cerrone, Interim Communications Director, talking about their upcoming 2020 season. Again, for folks who listen to, and I would say to everybody, recommend that they go listen to episode 31. Yes, please go. Uh, listen they'll understand to it. where these questions came from and they'll understand this alert. Listen we, to episode 31. We mentioned that um, there is going to be an upcoming opera based on Geechigawa culture that um, Griffin has been uh, one of the consultants on. And here it is. I'll, I'll just read it, the quote right out of here. For our 2020 season, our 100th anniversary, and that's the 100th anniversary of the Cincinnati Opera, in case that's not clear, we have commissioned a new opera entitled. Caster and Patience, with music by composer Gregory Spears and libretto, that's the words and the like for folks who aren't familiar with operas, by former U.S. Poet Laureate Tracy K. Smith. In a nutshell, the work chronicles the contemporary experience of an African-American family who inherited land in the American South. And the dates for the world premiere of this opera are July 16th through 26th 2020 and again that's in Cincinnati with the Cincinnati Opera tied to Gullah culture and the African American experience and a lot of all of us from the south um land inherited we could Operas are always dramatic, and I could see where an opera about African Americans and what to do with inherited land, (laughs) that's drama built in. That is definitely (laughs) drama, and I cannot wait. if you don't know, you will know if you uh, see that opera. Yeah, I can't wait for that either. Are you big, small, Oh, if you don't know, now you know. (laughs) Surprising. well, no. But that does bring up for another subject. There's a new business book that's written, I can't think of the guy's name. Um, he's he's a, um, a Caucasian American guy, Wall Street. But his new business book, every chapter he opens with a quote from the lyrics from a hip hop um, song from about the 90s or whatever. And they all tie, he ties them all into business. I can't think of the name of that book. But I was like, hmm, I'm, I may have to read this book and then we talk about it.
0: Well, if you <laughs> don't know, me. now you know.
1: <laughs> Comments? Send your feedback to thisandthat@aboutgreatercincinnati.com. at Episode
0: 33
1: of This and That is a wrap. Absolutely. Rolled up, sealed up, ready for a distribution.
0: And yet again, we put together what I think is another interesting infotainment episode that I think our listeners will come back and listen to us again and again. I
1: concur. I concur with that.
0: Until then, all the best. Peace out. Bye, folks. You have been listening to This and That a podcast collaboration about some of everything about anything. This has been hosted by David and Brenda and is presented by AboutGreaterCincinnati.com. Music by Pottington Bear. Please subscribe to our podcast so that you can stay up to date about future episodes. If you have any comments or suggestions about this episode, future episodes, interested in sponsorship and or advertising, please email us at that at aboutgreatercincinnati.com. All rights reserved. Thank you and all the best.